trying to shoot the moon Isn't everything we've got that's just peas and a spoon Welcome to The Word Witch, a podcast for seekers making magic from the margins. Join us as we explore tarot, astrology, magic, and belief from a queer and intersectional perspective. I'm your host, Claire Burgess, a tarot reader, teacher, debt creator, writer, and queer witch. Let's make some magic. Hello friends, witches, otherlings. I'm back with a brand new episode in the Tarot Number Family series. Today I've got over an hour of juicy knowledge and insights on the chariot, the tower, and the rest of the sevens. I also have a very special guest joining me as my co-guide on this journey today, and that's my friend Reverend Eric Arnison of the Arnamancy Podcast. <laughs> In addition to podcasting about tarot, magic, and occult philosophy, Eric reads tarot professionally, teaches classes on topics like sigils, which I just took recently with him, and officiates weddings too. <laughs> Get on it, Portland spouses to be. Our conversation about the sevens was so illuminating, thought-provoking, and also a ton of fun. It was so cool to have another perspective on one of these tarot episodes that I might have to do it again. But before we get into the meaty bits, I have a very special announcement. (laughs) My tarot deck, Fifth Spirit Tarot, has a birth date. I'll be launching the deck on Kickstarter on March 20th. That's also the first day of spring, of Aries season, and of the astrological new year. So it'll be easy for you witches to remember. Fifth Spirit is a modern and inclusive 78-card tarot deck, lovingly created to expand the archetypes beyond the gender binary and to reflect the variety and diversity of human bodies and human spirits. Like this podcast, I created Fifth Spirit for the queers, weirdos, outsiders, survivors, and everyone else making magic from the margins. In other words, I created it for you, listener. Over a year in creation, this deck has taken me on a massive internal journey full of up levels and challenges, synchronicities and epiphanies, and oh, so much healing. My greatest hope is that it will do the same for you. So mark your calendars for March 20th to get your copy. The Kickstarter will be live for 30 days, and as long as I meet my funding goal, Fifth Spirit will go straight to the printer, and you'll be able to get your decks in your hands as soon as possible. You can check out most of the cards on the deck's website, fifthspirittarot.com. And you can also sign up for my newsletter to get a reminder on the day the Kickstarter launches. Links for all of that will be in the show notes. In other news, I've got my two-part zine series, The Word Witch Tarot Guides, for sale on my website right now. If you've liked my perspective on the cards here, you'll probably dig these zines too. 
Clocking in at just over 30 pages each, they outline my approach to tarot through a queer and inclusive perspective, and they're available in hard copy and as a downloadable PDF for my friends far away who don't want to pay an arm and a leg for shipping. Check those out at thewordwitchtarot.com slash shop. While you're there, you can also pick up a copy of A Small Collection of Specialized Spreads, a new spread anthology edited by my friend Coleman Stevenson of The Dark Exact, which includes dozens of tarot spreads by readers from around the world, including one tarot spread by yours truly. If you've been wanting to freshen up your practice with some new spreads and exercises, this book is definitely for you. And last but not least, I've got new classes coming up at Seagrape Apothecary here in Portland, where I'm teaching a class on queering the tarot on the 21st of this month and a class on writing tarot spreads on the 22nd of April. The last time I checked, queering the tarot was almost sold out, so grab your ticket on Seagrape's website soon. I've also got info about all three of my classes through Portland Community College up on my website too, so scoot on over to thewordwitchtarot.com to check those out. Whew, I think that that's everything. Please mark your calendars again for March 20th, my loves, to get your copy of Fifth Spirit Tarot and tell your friends. Okay, that's all. Onwards to the chariot, the tower, and the sevens with my very special guest, Reverend Eric. Here you go. Okay, we're recording. We're live. All right. I'm here with Reverend Eric of Arnamancy. I don't know why I said it like that. (laughs) I feel fancier. (laughs) Yes, you are very fancy. Um, And Eric's joining me today to talk about the sevens, the chariot, the tower, and the minor sevens. And Eric, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners first. Uh, I'm Reverend Eric from Artemancy. Well, I mean, I've got a a blog and a um, podcast where I talk about tarot sometimes, but... Uh, not necessarily in the same format. So like your format is um, kind of methodically going through the tarot, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I'm really excited. Seven is one of my favorite numbers. It's one of my 10 favorite numbers. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I guess that's that's really all the introduction I have for myself. It's... Beautiful. And, and Eric's part podcast is called Arnomancy. Yeah. Um, so you can go find that. And Eric talks about tarot some, but also just like, gosh, there's astrology, there's magic stuff, there's... Weird occult things. Weird occult things. Weird history stuff. Weird history. Yeah. It's fascinating. Thanks. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get started with talking about the sevens. So the number seven is... So here's my frame on it. Um, through the lens of tarot. So I think of the number seven and how it represents, how it presents throughout tarot as being kind of like the a merger of like intellect plus intuition. I can't remember where I've read this, but I've, I've heard the number uh, referred to or read the number referred to as the number of the philosopher sage. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Do you know? <coughs> uh, that's from alchemy, I believe. Okay, okay. 
Yeah, because seven is important in alchemy because it's the number of planets, it's the number of the metals, it's the number of the spheres and all that sort of stuff. Yes, yes, exactly. Seven days in the week, seventh heaven, Mm -hmm. there's uh, all the sevens. The seven classical planets. Yes, seven holes in the human head. Yes, and now now we're counting them. (laughs) Seven chakras, Mm -hmm. lots, I mean, seven is where it's at yeah it's it's a big one i I think i've heard of it as the number of completion also oh yeah so but also in like kabbalah uh uh, there are seven sephirot below Mm -hmm. like you know the 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 supernal triad so like you you only get to really experience seven of them so that's important too yeah yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and so seven is also a really important number because in the major arcana of the tarot if you uh use the three lines method each of those three lines breaks out into seven cards each and that makes the chariot the seventh card so the the last card in the first line of the three line grid um And we've been talking about that here on the podcast as, I mean, like I talk about it through the like levels of consciousness, which is how many other people before me have talked about it. Rachel Pollack. So the first line being the line of consciousness, Mm -hmm. right? I also talk about the first line as um, like through my own framework as the line of learning where we sort of go on this path from the moment we come into this realm through the magician, you know, the fool comes in, enters the earth through the magician, and we progress along through the major arcana up to number seven. And through this pathway, we're like learning sort of the fundaments of what it's like to be here, you know, and what yeah, we need to know. And it's a lot of it's sort of internal, right? It's like looking inside and sort of seeing our own boundaries and our own meaning and our own like dark weird shit and it's sort of like dealing with our own junk <laughs> yeah yeah okay. and i think a lot of the um i think for from my perspective we really dig into the inside stuff and like the weird shit in the in the internal gunk in the second line of seven so once we start getting into like the hermit and death and all all that good stuff Um, but in the first line where we meet like the magician the high priestess we're learning sort of essential principles like the the active outward principle of the magician where it's like manifesting and will and doing and independence and then there's the high priestess which is the like internal principle like um intuition uh knowing receptivity we have the empress which is of course the traditional quote like mother of the tarot, but really, since cards don't have genders, <laughs> neither do archetypes, um, in my opinion. Empress is fertility, it's um, abundance, it's uh, sort of organic creative growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And then emperors, like stability and security, et cetera. So we're like learning these like essentials. Or fundamental, like, building blocks of the world and of how to be, uh, ways to mm-hmm. be. In the Hierophant, we've got tradition, orthodoxy, the wisdom of everyone who's come before us. In the Lovers, we start to do our own, like, self-reflection and break away from that. Right. You know? So, the, so in the Lovers, you're kind of facing... I always sort of look at it like by the time you get to the lovers, you're facing your own shadow. Yes. You're kind of like, there's a 
bad part of me. It's yes. it's sort of like the first place where you're kind of like, oh wait, maybe I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you start you do that work of sort of facing and integrating, joining with the the, the shadow self, or at least beginning that work in a real way. And like I also think of it as sort of so I think of the lovers as like the puberty card. <laughs> <laughs> Bear with me. Where, like, um, once once a kid hits puberty is when they first really start going, like, oh, like, maybe I have desires that are different than what my parents want for me. And, you know, oh, there's, like, secret things. And, you know, yeah, there's, yeah, like, this, this beginning of starting to, like, reflect in a new way on yourself and your internal life. Mm-hmm. And then we start rebelling. Right. Is that the chariot? Well, I think that the rebellion starts in the lovers, and uh-huh. then the chariot is where we leave. So, like, the the lovers is, like, starting to do that rebellion, uh-huh. uh, the rebellion of, like, choosing yourself, uh, choosing your own path as opposed to the hierophant's path or the emperor's or the empress's, right? Right, right. And the chariot is when we, like, get in our vehicle, if you will, our chariot, and go forth. Right. That makes sense. It's uh, so like uh, Robert Place, I think, in one of his books talks about seven being the number of like the hero's journey. Yes. So then in the chariot, you're heading out to go do stuff, yeah. to conquer and things. And actually, I was just, you know, I was reading uh, his his uh, alchemical tarot book this morning. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the character in the chariot being the child of the lovers. <gasps> I love that. So it's total rebellion, right? Yeah. Like he's totally like, I'm going out to do my own stuff. Fuck you, mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he also compared it to this uh, legend of the son of Helios, mm. the, the Greek or the, the, the Titan of the sun. Yeah. Sun's, you know, you know, the sky sun, not the like baby sun. Right, right, um, right. Who, uh, who was like, oh, I want to drive the chariot one of these days and ride the sun across the sky. And of course it was a bad idea. And Zeus ends up having to like, smack him with a thunderbolt and he falls into the ocean <laughs> but uh but then oh then it, yeah i guess then it just got super weird you know the, in ro- typical robert play style yeah it's like these are the numbers of the spokes of the sun and the blah 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 i'm, like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna remember that <laughs> <laughs> i love that though and when you said said that he falls into the sea you know what mm-hmm. that made me think of the fact that the chariot is ruled by cancer is the chariot ruled by cancer? The chariot is ruled by cancer. Why would the chariot be ruled by cancer? Exactly. Let's I discuss. Thought, isn't the moon ruled by cancer? Yes. Well, uh, the moon card uh-huh. is ruled by Pisces. Pisces is ruled by uh, Neptune. So the chariot is ruled by cancer. Cancer is ruled by the moon. The moon also rules the high priestess. We could, you know, go in circles uh, about uh, it. I get so confused with the astrology and tarot <laughs> stuff. I, I don't actually use it very often. Uh, so I forget most of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's like, it's. I, there are things that I remember. Like, you know, I know the, the tower is Mars. Right, right. And, you know, the devil is Capricorn. Right. Which makes sense. Right. But the chariot being Cancer is one of the things that I admit took me a long time to sort of like wrap my head around it and be like, why did you do that, Golden Dawn? Hmm. But. Well, I mean, Cancer is the is the home of the moon. Mm-hmm. Right. So in a way you can kind of see 
you know, the moon is the fast-moving planet. And the moon, especially when the, the further back you go, like with traditional astrology stuff, the moon hits like every single aspect of everything, mm-hmm. right? And is just traveling mm-hmm. everywhere all the time. So it might be because of the traveling. Yeah. Oh, 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 I, had, I did not even make that connection. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but that would be interesting since Robert Place ties the, the chariot to the sun. Mm-hmm. You've got like the sort of sun and moon thing playing off each other. Well, guess what? And that's that's the intellect and intuition. That's the philosopher sage, right? Uh, did you just go all the way around and be like, I was right from the beginning? <laughs> Tied it up, little bow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's uh, one of the things that makes the chariot a really. It, it has so many levels to it that, like, beyond the surface representation of, like, victory, success, like, these sort of keywords that are traditionally, you know, applied to this card. Mm-hmm. And then when you start sort of, like, peeling back all these layer, layers of meaning, there's something much deeper, much different um, than just a, like, victory card, right? Right. And with the... Cancer Association, um, oh, one thing I wanted to say was Cancer rules the fourth house, right? The fourth mm-hmm. house in astrology is the house of home and family, Which and that ties in. <laughs> it does, except that Cancer is, except that the chariot is leaving. Right. But the chariot has to leave as, like, a progression. I mean, so the fourth house is, is family and our roots, but it's also our destination at our grave. Mm-hmm. And so... We have to, right, right. like, leave in order to, I don't know, get there? I, it's, like, where we start and where we end up. So this, it's the it's the start. It's the journey and the destination. I don't know. Maybe the, journey, the destination is the journey? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this feels like something from The Hobbit now. Yes. <laughs> so this, is, this did make me think of something else that I, I think came from the Golden Dawn or Wait, like one of those two. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which in the the Waite Smith tarot, mm-hmm. the chariot dude, he's sitting like the chariot itself looks like a big block of stone. Yes. So it and and it's a cube and it sort of represents sort of this cubical stone that is almost like the immovable thing and the universe is moving around the chariot. So in this case, the chariot doesn't go anywhere. It's just the chariot sits still and the universe moves around the chariot because the chariot yes. is so important. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, and that's um, the 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 heaviness, like the stone appearance of that chariot, mm-hmm. makes me think. Okay, so well, well, that combined with the fact that in the Smithweight tarot, uh, it pictures sphinxes in front yeah. of the chariot, so it's not being pulled by like active horses that are like running, like we see in some right because decks. those are they're lazy sphinxes. They're too. lazy they're sphinxes. Really just sitting there. <laughs> yeah. They don't even look stressed out. They're just sort of like whatever. They're just chilling. They're just they're just waiting patiently. Um, and there's no reins on them either. Mm-hmm. And so then it like begs the question, like, well, is this chariot? Where's this chariot going? How does it go? How is the charioteer going to get this thing to move? And I think that that's one of the keys to this card, too, is that in order to get the chariot to move, in order to reach those levels of, like, victory and success that seem to be promised by this card, you have to, like, you have to sort of turn inward in Mm -hmm. that sort of Cancerian moon way and get in touch with, like, your 
your true desires and motivations, balance your shit. So like we have a dark sphinx and a light sphinx. We see that echoing the high priestess's pillars, dark and light pillars. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a call for balancing here. Yeah, I guess I've always, I've always sort of like wondered about the dark and light sphinx as sort of like um, a good inclination and evil inclination, Ooh. right? Like you have to pick which, mm-hmm. which uh, animal is going to lead the chariot, like which one's going to be really taking the, the path, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's sort of a constant struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, in the in the lovers, where you have sort of like the lovers coming together, but here, all of a sudden, you've got the good and the bad as two different two different influences, and, and they're to, facing yeah. slightly. Yeah, they don't even they too. don't really look super happy to be working together. <laughs> and I think that's where uh, some of the aspects of the chariot being about willpower come in right. too. Okay. Yeah, because it's it's like how do you make these two things work together? in order to get where you're going, right? Mm-hmm. You either have to you either have to make them work together by like finding that like that balance and sort of um, I don't want to say forcing the uh, the balance, but it's I think that it takes like an active application of intention or will mm-hmm. um, either to to find the balance, make things work together or like you said maybe choosing one or choosing the other, but right. it, there's still like a call for some reflection, I think, um, yeah. and decision making before we like charge, right? Like there's something else that needs to be done before we charge. So I think that when this card shows up in in readings, instead of just saying like it, it doesn't say like huzzah, you have the victory, like you have success here, it's in your lap. Yeah. It's saying, like, you can get it. Like, this is here as a distinct possibility. It's almost like it's time. But you, you, you You've it. built up your army, and now you got to take it out and do something with yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Okay, that makes sense. I I, uh, I associate the chariot a lot with the Six of Wands. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because of that sort of, like, victory thing going on. Yeah. But in the Six of Wands, victory, I think, has already happened. Yes. But here... It's sort of like the charioteer is just strapped on the armor, mm-hmm. just put the weapons on, just bridled his sphinxes. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the the struggle hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. You know, the charioteer may be thinking like, "Oh, I'm so ready for all of this," mm-hmm. but really, there's a lot of there's a lot to come. He's, mm-hmm. he's heading into some really shaky unknown waters. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that's why we see this card at the end of the first line of the mm-hmm. Major Arcana 2. It's because it's this point where, like, we are ready to go. Like, we've got everything we need. And we're maybe overly confident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, if, if the lovers is puberty, then the chariot is, like, the young adult, like, the high school graduate that's like, yeah, like, I'm going to go He's conquer like, who, the world. Who cares about study skills? I'm going to college. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then the world is like, oh, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you still got some things to learn. <laughs> oh, it, it gets rough. Like, there aren't even any scary cards before this one. Yeah. Like, maybe, maybe the fool, but just because, you know, it's like brand new beginnings and stuff. But just all of the cards are just sort of, they're, they're really like guideline cards. They're really just sort of like, here are some, mm-hmm. wow. Yep. Mm. Yep. And Man, we... I kind of feel sorry for the chariot now. 
<laughs> well, and this is my birth card. Really? <laughs> yes. I think we should call it the, the, the Oh Honey card. Like, oh, honey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that, um, so one of the reasons why I wanted, I thought it was a really cool idea for you to come on and talk about the chariot and the uh-huh. tower, etc. with me here is because this is my, my birth card, which you, you know, if you calculate your birth card using your birth date mm-hmm. and then reduce it in classic numerology is, ways. I think mine's the hermit. Yeah, I remember that makes total sense. <laughs> um, it's because of my lantern. Don't make fun of my lantern. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of the beard. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but because uh, because it's my birth card, like, it's my relationship to it is, like, weird or slightly, like, conflicted, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I feel like I can't see this card super clearly sometimes because it's too close to me mm-hmm. um, or when I look at the card I only see the negatives of it because I'm just hard on myself <laughs> what do you think are the most negative aspects of this card well I have my mother's voice in my head I love my mother very much but um, should we call her I, no. <laughs> I, I can hear her um, telling me how I've always been a very very willful child um, which is absolutely true <laughs> Like, 100% true. Uh-huh. Just very, uh, very willful. Very, like, I want things to be my way and, like, I'm going to make it so. And I do think that those are aspects that we can see in the chariot sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think that what this card invites us to do is to apply that willpower in a way that is also informed by like our our intuition or like higher mind you know with like some reflection and judgment instead of just saying i want this thing i shall get it which is how i was as a kid well i think that like one of the one of the big positives of this card is like if it is the beginning of the hero's journey or if it is like the hero actually doing the journey it's not just willpower, but it's courage, right? So mm. this card represents sort of like having having the guts to do stuff. You mm-hmm. know, having the... So you've gone through all of these other cards that have been teaching you things. Mm-hmm. and But then having like actually the, the chutzpah to go do it is a whole different thing. And yeah. I kind of feel like that might be the biggest positive of the chariot. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a lot of crap coming up ahead, but... If you get through enough of that, then you get to be like a baby riding a horse with some sunflowers. <laughs> and that's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I th- and um, the, I think that you hit on another aspect of the chariot that's really wonderful, which is a certain um, like determination and resiliency. Mm-hmm. Like this card feels like a card that's really capable of getting what they want or like doing the things mm-hmm. because like they're they're not faint of heart. Like. Right. They're going to do it. They're equipped. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, yeah, and there's like a, it's not, but even maybe the, the chariot could have nothing to do with being equipped. Right. It could almost be like, you know, sort of like the, the trope of the um, the reluctant hero. So it mm. could just be a willingness to take responsibility. Mm. Right. So maybe there's, maybe there is something that's super kind of like puberty-esque about it in that way where mm-hmm. you have to learn to you know, grow up and become an adult or, or accept your lessons enough to the point where you're, where you're willing to take responsibility for stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I really like that approach to the chariot. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause I came into this 
the chariot's a card that I've always had trouble interpreting. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've, you know, they're always cards. Like every tarot reader will tell you. Absolutely. For me, it's like the chariot and then all the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> except for the hermit. Yeah, except for the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every time I draw the hermit, I'm like, oh, good. I can just talk for like four hours about this one. <laughs> uh, no, but it's, uh, it is a card that I've had trouble interpreting, but this has helped me put a new spin on it. So oh, I'm totally probably just going to have a cookie. <laughs> well, we have cookies. I know this is great. Yeah, best podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're very classy here at the Word Witch, and so we have vegan cookies and tea. Yeah, on the table. Um, so shall we talk yeah. about the tower? Hi guys, I'm interrupting this very fascinating conversation real quick to remind you that my deck, Fifth Spirit Tarot, is going to be launching on Kickstarter on March 20th. I read somewhere that the more you repeat things, the more people remember them, which makes sense, right? So here I am repeating this. Fifth Spirit Tarot, Kickstarter, March 20th. March 20th, Fifth Spirit Tarot, Kickstarter. Kickstarter, March 5th. March 20th, Fifth Spirit Tarot. (laughs) You get the idea. Help me make this deck a reality. Now back to the episode. Shall we talk about the tower? Yeah. (gasps) This is my favorite card. Dun, dun, dun. This is not my favorite card. This is like like one of the most terrifying cards in the deck. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Eric, you and I have... um, We've been talking about doing a joint podcast episode for a while, but the mm-hmm. reason we decided, the other reason we decided to do it this time is that you and I were like talking or like messaging one day and I said that I had to go to do a client reading uh-huh. and you said something like, no towers. And then I was like, God damn it, Eric, like just because Eric said that, I'm going to pull the tower. And, and did you? sure enough, I did pull the tower in this client reading. And I was like, damn it. I remember, I remember that because very shortly before that, like just a few days before that, I had gone to do a, a client reading, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was like it was a it was a couple of people who wanted readings, and I sat down to the first one. I was just sort of trying to lighten the mood, and they were super nervous. So I was like, "Oh, don't worry, it's not like I'm going to pull the tower or something." And the first card I flipped was the tower, and I'm like, God, this, this. <laughs> "Why does the tarot have to do that to me?" <laughs> just keeping you in your place. And that, but also, uh, before my birthday last year, mm-hmm. I had, uh, I, I had found this meme about the tower, mm-hmm. uh, and it was just basically a picture of the tower on the front of a Rider Waite Smith box. And it said, oops, all towers. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a joke. I sent it to our friend Coleman, yes. who then made me a tarot deck that was all towers. Are you kidding? So I do have a tarot deck that is all tower cards. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. She's so brilliant. She is, but it turns out that like the tower then has been sort of a recurring symbol in my life over the last like Ooh. 9 months, but I don't feel like I've been experiencing a lot of tower energy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure, like maybe as we talk about the tower, maybe I'll be like, "Oh yeah, maybe that's been my whole life." Yeah. Everything's a tower. Yeah. Um because I mean, for me, the tower is catastrophic change. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Uh, it's not sort of like the. It's. It's not even like forward moving change, right? The tower can be like huge setbacks. Like I feel like you can compare it. You've got a lot of like huge change cards in a in a series here. You've got like the hanged man. You've got death. You've got the tower. Like those three are like 
change that can look scary. Mm-hmm. But the hanged man, I always look at it as like change that you go into on purpose. Really? Uh, death is like just necessary progressive change, you know, yeah. like the like puberty is like a great death yeah. example. Yeah. And then tower is like fuck you change. It's like <laughs> we're just gonna, I don't know, drop a airplane on your house or, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll make the property of ice change and everything will be different or, you know, it'll... <laughs> the property of ice? <laughs> I was thinking about Ice Nine from Cat's Cradle. But, uh, but I mean, the tower is like a catastrophic change that maybe sometimes you can't see coming mm-hmm. and maybe frequently you're not prepared for it and it's going to be upsetting and you're just going to have to, like, deal with that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a reminder that, like, no matter how advanced you get, no matter how your spiritual path goes, you're not the boss of everything right you're kind of just a ship tossed about on the waves just like everybody else Mm -hmm. so the fun (laughs) (laughs) it's it's kind of the opposite of fun card for me i i every time i look at it i'm kind of like man and i one of the things i really like about it though especially in the the wait smith version is it has such beautiful kabbalistic imagery Mm. and a lot of it is like golden dawn or as my friend douglas calls it golden yawn (laughs) imagery where you've got the lightning stroke coming down and hitting the crown which is Mm -hmm. a symbol of keter everything is sort of falling apart after that but the lightning stroke itself is sort of the symbol of like divine energy or creative energy descending Mm -hmm. but in this case instead of this divine creative energy descending and creating something it's destroying a structure Mm -hmm. uh and you can see also all of the little bits of fire that are falling all over the place look like the hebrew letter yod which is also super significant and symbolic of the element of fire Mm -hmm. but it's being scattered everywhere Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of weird stuff going on in the tower and it's just it's a bad day for everybody involved Mm -hmm. well we see those yods and other cards as well Mm -hmm. in the major arcana and the way that um that i usually put them in perspective is as like symbols of divine blessing actually Mm. um and so then when we see them in cards like the tower or like the moon i think that those are sort of little little reminders like little flame reminders that like this thing that we are going through is like necessary you know yeah um and it's like a symbol of the divine going like yeah it sucks but do it you know i you can't the listeners can't see me but i'm doing these like the rain <laughs> fingers now um uh yeah and what you were saying about change some in some of the ways that you're talking about the tower i also see that in i see that in the will of fortune in some ways because i think that's the card where we start oh. to like face like to really um reckon for the first time with like oh shit i don't control everything yeah sometimes shit happens yeah um and then in the tower is when we have sometimes it it, well yeah i think you're right it's always it's always change for Mm -hmm. sure do you think that it has to always be external change or can it be internal change i think i think almost everything in the major arcana is uh is internal Mm -hmm. more uh, more than the uh, more than the minor arcana so i think it's easier to interpret minor arcana as external change but the major arcana if i have the opportunity in a reading i will interpret them as something having to do with spiritual development or spiritual change um and i guess in a way you know the more i think about it now like sometimes the tower can really 
you know, the fact that the crown is getting knocked off the tower mm-hmm. is kind of almost like you're being removed from power. Yes. Or your ego is getting slapped around by... <laughs> <laughs> By ego lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think I see the tower working in two ways. Um, uh, and I think that it, both the ways the tower, the real meaty part of the tower actually happens internally instead of externally. Mm-hmm. Um, the tower as a, you know, I, I, I would say not just change, but like upheaval, upheaval and like deconstruction. Because sometimes, sometimes change is good. And I think the change in the tower can often eventually be good, but it always at the, at the front of it yeah. looks like it feels it like crap. Yeah. yeah. And the tower can either start externally with an external event mm-hmm. and then move internally where like the major shit is actually really happening with what you're deconstructing inside of yourself. So like belief structures, mm-hmm. paradigms of like thought Things that you, pretty much anything that you thought was true or that you invested in as like a, a, having a permanency. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Like uh, that's what gets torn down. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so if you look at it in context, like the tower follows the devil and precedes the star, right? Yeah. So, so the devil is very much about investing in material permanency. Yep. In which case the tower can just be a reminder that that's not happening. Yeah. So... That's I that actually that makes me feel a little bit better about the tower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that uh and sometimes the tower comes it's all internal and like we don't see anything external on the outside happening. Or I think well actually that's not true. I think that when the tower starts internally, eventually we always see external changes and upheavals happening too, but mm-hmm. often that's because we are the ones making those changes happen. Like if your entire like I've got, I've got a few friends here in Portland who are ex-evangelical Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, is evangelical the right word? Like the, with the laying on of hands and oh, like Pentecostals. Yeah, kind of. Ev- I think those are evangelical Christians. Okay. Well, yeah. So, so they've all had to go through a huge deconstruction process mm-hmm. of leaving the church. And right. so like that is a, a huge tower moment where they're having to go, oh, all of these things that I thought were true and that I really believed in, in like a spiritual way and were also fundamental parts of like their life structures, like their, their network of humans that they spent time with and... Um, yeah. where they lived and stuff because of that internal questioning and doubt and sort of deconstruction of their own belief. It had external ripples where then they had to like end relationships. Um, right. Oh, you know what? It could be, it could be even, you know, like the evangelical Christian thing is one thing, but like, what if you end up with a job and your entire life is based around this particular career? But right. even, even in that case, like leaving that career, we forget, you know, the devil is a career card. Mm, and Capricorn. We, yeah, but we forget how much people identify with their job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so leaving leaving a leaving a career, leaving a that sort of circle of things, you, yeah, it can it can be a tower moment that definitely ends up having ripples. Yeah. Yeah. Anything attached to identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that crown. So the one the way that I see the crown yeah. getting hit, like knocked off the top, is ego, but it's also mm-hmm. identity. Yeah, and and you know, in, in the in the fool's journey, like removing identity or learning how to 
detach yourself from identity is very crucial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm way more excited about the tower now. I'm just going to start <laughs> towering everything. <laughs> and that, so and now I also want to talk about how um, the tower is related to the chariot. So they're in the same number family or number constellation, oh, as Mary Greer calls it. Yeah, oh. that's why we're talking about these two. Well, I mean, I guess I knew that. I was just saying that <laughs> for the benefit of the listener. Yes. They're both sevens. The chariot's number seven. The cha- mm-hmm. the tower is number... I almost said shower again. Um, before we started recording, I mashed up the, the chariot and the tower accidentally and said shower and then decided that that was a shower of chowder. Um which is <laughs> definitely uh, belief-shaking. definitely going to be the bonus card in here. <laughs> yes, yes, that's the fifth spirit bonus card, everyone. The chower. The chower. <laughs> um, but the tower is number 16, which is 1 plus 6, which is also 7. Mm-hmm. So how are the, ch- <laughs> What's gonna begin? the chariot and the tower... Uh, related, or how does the tower operate as like a higher octave or a different octave of the chariot? Well, my instinct, my instinct is that you know we were just talking about how the chariot is really sort of like the beginning of the hero's journey, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is you know, we were talking about how you know you finally have like the guts to go out and explore the world, and like you're you know you got your armor on, and you're sort of like I'm out, I'm the hero now, <laughs> and the tower is the end of the chariot story. The, oh. the, the towers where the lightning bolt blasts off the armor and knocks the wheels off and the sphinxes run away. That's true. It's it's kind of like all of that hero energy that you built up. You know, you spent mm-hmm. all of this internal searching in the first seven, culminating in the chariot, and you're kind of like, all right, now it's time to go. And you run out there and you just have like misadventure after misadventure and weirdness after weirdness until you end up at your um, at your Airbnb and it gets hit, hit by <laughs> You know what I just realized when you said that, and I don't know why I haven't realized this before, but the tower is the last card where we see humans with clothes on. <laughs> Think about it. Oh yeah. Yeah, the star is the star is naked. Oh yeah, that's right. The, there's not there's a no human in the moon. moon. The sun is naked, baby on a horse. Uh-huh. Yeah. Judgment is naked zombies. Yep. <laughs> The world is is naked person with an artfully yeah. draped right. <laughs> purple cloth. That's <laughs> like right, <laughs> right. But hmm. yeah, I I think there's something to that. Like this, and this, the tower is where the last like vestiges of our uh, earthly human ego consciousness bullshit gets blasted away, and mm-hmm. then we ascend into the celestial cards. The star, the moon, yeah, the sun, yeah. where we're no longer... I mean, the tower is a, a, a structure, like a man-made structure. Mm-hmm. And so this is also symbolically, like, destroying our man-made conceptions of, like, permanency, also of limits. Like, here are the walls. Well, and even identity, the too, yes. gets destroyed. Like, And the, mm-hmm. the chariot is kind of all about the identity that, that, that has been built. Yep. So, so yeah. the stone building block that the chariot seems to be made out of yes. is like the cornerstone of the tower. Yes. Yes. And that's why I love, I, I love the, the stone block chariot in this, mm-hmm. in the Wade Smith deck is because it has that visual similarity too. And it's foreshadowing and I almost ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, and the the tower teaches the chariot that that they're not all that, <laughs> and usually brings down things that were based in false beliefs or had already had shaky foundations or had served their purpose for us, mm-hmm. right? And so one one aspect of the chariot is the focused willpower. And if that is taken too far, then we end up clinging to things sometimes or forcing things to happen instead of letting them go gracefully and death, right. you know, we end like in the devil, if we're not sort of rising to the invitation to break the chains, you know, then in the tower, we're going to get it blasted away. Right. Like as a, as a necessary progression towards. So you don't actually get to stay in the devil if the tower comes along. Right. I I see them working together as like a narrative. So in the second line of the majors, we go from, well, depending on if you think that justice is eight or 11, we go from the wheel of fortune, which is our uh, first brush with like, I'm not in control of everything. I've got to like work with the wheel instead of against it to justice, which is a moment of like weighing and reckoning and, you know, going, Oh, taking responsibility for what we've done in the past, making changes for what we want in the future to the hanged man, which is then a teacher of the, of justice in some ways, because it's like sometimes in order to bring shit into balance and in order to like, like do get what you want, you have to sacrifice. You have to wait you have to be uncomfortable, right? You can't always get everything you want immediately. And in The Hanged Man, we prepare for death, which is when we release willingly and, like, naturally the things that need to fall away. Temperance is where we are, like, reborn into a, like, more fluid, sort of balanced synthesis of existence, right? Where we're multitudinous, And then comes the devil, which Mm -hmm. is like, oh, wait, but you still are clinging to some material shit, aren't you? Right? Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of wobbling back and forth in those cards. Like, a struggle to, a struggle to make a big change without it happening, and then sort of, it's kind of, you know, it it, it is sort of like, it's like your 20s. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. So, um, any, any tips or advice for people when they pull the tower? Um, screaming is always valid. Uh, if your tarot reader pulls the tower, feel free to slam your hands on the table, make some sort of huffing noise, like a really, really angry wild boar and stalk away. (laughs) That will really, um, terrorize your client. Drive the point home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I, well, you know, I think that does it. That's the tower, folks. All right. <laughs> uh, well, and that's a beautiful thing about tarot, because if it was all glitter and puppies and rainbows, mm-hmm. then like... Then it would be an oracle deck. <laughs> <laughs> I think I laughed a little bit too hard at that. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, if it was all glitter and puppy and rainbows, then it, it wouldn't actually be helpful right. for us. Right. Um, it's, it's one of the great things that it does do is like, like tell us real shit, Mm -hmm. you know, if it glossed over the bad parts, then it would not be useful. That's true. Yeah. Has anybody ever like laid out every single tarot card 
and tried to figure out like how many of them are actually nice and how many of them are kind of crappy. <laughs> um, I have definitely done that. And, um, uh, I don't, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but the thing with that is that I don't think that there's any one card that's all bad or all good. Except like the tower. No, but even then, even then. <laughs> okay, you're right. The tower, you're right, you're right. like I, the tower moments I've had in my in my life were so fucking necessary in order for me to make big yeah. changes, right? And have well, a better life. Uh, yeah. So there's totally good to it that. too. Yeah. Um, I mean, my tower moments have been the same way. They yeah. Needed to happen. Yeah. And then, like, with a, a, a card that people think is all, like, wonderful and happy all the time, I think that it can have its downsides, too. Like, oh, yeah. oh gosh, I'm trying to think of an example now. And The Ten of Cups? Yeah. I've actually seen that um, come up in ways before where it, uh, people are, like, insisting too hard on having the image of the Ten of Cups. Yeah, rather seen that too. than seen really that too. like pursuing their own unique ten of cups, mm-hmm. you know, and like ten of cups is honestly like it is a, it's a moment. It's not a like permanent length of time, mm-hmm. you know. Like remaining in the ten of cups for more than an hour, That's I think, is really difficult. <laughs> I think that every ten is kind of about the completion of the cycle, right? right so you don't right. actually get, you don't stay there. You move on to the next thing. Like the Ten is a transition card. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of a crap in the Ten of Cups and the Ten of Pentacles. Both of those are cards where you really want to stay for a long time. Mm-hmm. But it's just the moment. You know, you just get to see that one mm. place where those that rainbow is up there and it's magically holding Ten Cups in the air. But I mean, no <laughs> rainbow can hold Ten Cups forever. <laughs> All right. But that's cheerful, that's, a, cheerful, that's cheerful. a different number. Let's, t- yeah. Let's talk about the minor seven. Okay. All right, so what should we start with? Well, one of the ways that I interpret all the minor cards is I look for themes uh, or similarities between them, right? So, like, what do all of the sevens have in common? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have thoughts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought that I would have thoughts? One of the similarities that I see in all of the sevens is a necessity for pause, actually, like for pausing. Even in the cards that seem more active, like the Seven of Wands and the Seven of Swords, I think that there's a call for, like, reflection or, like, sort of, yeah, well, reflecting on the situation that you're currently in. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, like, the Seven of Wands, we see uh, a person standing on, like, a hilltop, like, defending themselves, like, definitely defensive posture, Mm -hmm. um, looks pretty stressed, and then we notice in the Smith Weight deck that they're wearing two different shoes. Like they've gotten so caught up in mm-hmm. like the drama of the moment that they're not grounded and they're not paying attention to the shoes on their feet, you know? Yeah. But in the other cards, even the active ones, like the Seven of Swords, mm-hmm. the thief who's making off with the swords is stopping to be like, oh, do I take all the swords or Mm. just, you know, most of the swords? Um, (laughs) So that's kind of an interesting one Mm -hmm. because there is activity there. Like, Mm -hmm. that dude's got a sneak. Yeah. But he stopped. Yeah, yeah. Or he's he's definitely looking back. He's second Mm -hmm. guessing. Either second guessing or he's checking to see if he's being followed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that... I think he's second guessing. I think he's trying to figure out... If he's taken those other two swords also. Mm-hmm. What do you think the Seven of, the, of Swords means, Eric? 
and I'm asking personally because this is one of those cards that like I have the hardest time putting my I finger kind of on. Look at all of the sevens, I sort of look at them as um, facing an obstacle. Like the, the, the pause is because an obstacle has been reached. Mm-hmm. And the seven of swords is about the theft of knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. So I always, I don't know that you can necessarily like blanketly interpret it as you're the one stealing knowledge or someone is stealing knowledge from you, but it's where ideas are, ideas are not, I think I always sort of think of it as like something has entered the camp and taken away the ideas. Mm -hmm. The swords represent thoughts and processes and ideas and concepts and stuff. So, um, so it might be about something like, you don't necessarily have the edge of surprise that you hoped you did, or you mm. might not have the upper hand in, uh, intellectually. It could be about like uh, being a little intellectually behind the times or something of that nature. But basically, there's definitely some sort of theft of, of logic or theft of what the swords represent, you know, mm-hmm. which is the, mm-hmm. the intellectual realm. Yeah. I, th- I, theft of knowledge is not a way I thought of it before, but I like that. The the theft association with this card is part is part of the card that has stumped me sometimes. Mm-hmm. So like when I pull the card for myself in my personal readings and I'm looking at it going, wait, like what am I stealing? You know, mm-hmm. or, or, and, or what has been stolen. Or what has been stolen. And then yeah. I start getting paranoid. Um <laughs> But I, I think sometimes, um, or the way that I've seen it show up in my own life is sometimes to speak of when I have gotten my own self into situations where I'm having to cut corners, mm. um, and, uh, either cut corners or like it's calling for a certain amount of cleverness, like yeah. cleverness with how you're going about things, how you're solving problems. And that's the... And that's the thought, like swords as thoughts and minds and mind right, right. and ideas as well, is applying it in a in a clever sort of outside the box manner, mm-hmm. right? I wonder if uh, I don't know, like I wonder if if the idea of theft is a maybe like patriarchal <laughs> concept where anybody sort of going outside of the lines is doing something devious or sneaky. You know? Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess maybe sometimes it might even be indicating that some sort of departure from the normal way of approaching problems is necessary, yeah. right? Like, you know, swords, the way I typically approach all the swords is that they tend to be so focused on logic and results that they don't care about feelings, right? Mm-hmm. There's no sense of, like, we want to make people happy. It's just sort of like, this has to get done so we're doing it no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that might be part of the thing in the swords in the seven of swords is like, it's needing to face a place where somebody else's rules are getting in the way. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, mm. you have to take this and go have. Yes. So that, I like that. Um, it, it's calling for that reflection, right? So I think mm-hmm. reflection might be another word in addition to pause in order like, to apply to a lot of the sevens is that then we have to go like whether we're reflecting on do we want those additional two swords or whether we're reflecting on, okay, how can I like be smart and clever and sort of like do things outside the box? It still takes sort of that intentional. Yeah. What about the um, seven of, I'm going to do seven of wands. 
Let's do Seven of Wands. Yeah. So this card is great because I think it plays into a lot of the stuff that's going on in the Sevens, where a lot of things in the or a lot of things in the Wands are are kind of fake, right? Really? So like, think of the Five of Wands, where it's like the kids fighting. It's a fake fight. Mm-hmm. Even in this one, like. He looks like he's having a super tough time, but he's actually not in that much danger. Well, we don't know what's down there. You don't know what's down there, but I mean, if they've got the same sticks he does, he's kind of... All he has to do is really take a step back. I mean, that's a cliff. I think it's one of those things where the the the, the fighter in this card is making a much bigger deal out of his problem than it really needs to be. Mm. It's not as serious as it looks. He's... Like, none of those... There's so much... Look at all the negative space at the top of the card, right? Like, it's sort of saying, like, there's so much space that isn't filled up with sticks that are trying to hit you. Why are you that close to the cliff? (laughs) (laughs) So then, is the card calling for um, uh, some perspective on... Yeah, I think this card is sort of saying, like, let's zoom out a little bit Mm -hmm. and see what the heck's going on. Like, maybe this isn't a serious problem. Yes. Um, And I think that this is indicative of a lot of stuff that's going on in the wands because... In the wands, you're mostly dealing with concept and idea, right? The wands are are cards filled with abstraction and filled with, like, things trying to come into being and not really there yet. But also they're fire, and they get you all riled up. So you're sort of like, this is is serious, you guys. This is really bad. And you're like, take a step back. Hold on. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Words that I use for this card are like uh defensiveness mm-hmm. right like oh, yeah. this can be um it can show up when we're uh perceiving attacks mm-hmm. where there are none or yeah. that's that's always really exciting when two tarot readers agree on something <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um the after the six of wands as well mm-hmm. where like the six of wands we see that kind of like celebration of like mm-hmm. that parade of way to go you mm-hmm. then we go immediately to the seven where we're then in a space of wait are these people these people are trying to take my you know interestingly so in the six of wands you still have sort of this like self-centeredness going on right mm-hmm. so you have the you have the hero in the middle riding through town but you don't really get to see anybody else yeah it's just a bunch of sticks waving around everybody being all excited and he's sort of like this is all about me i'm super important mm-hmm. so even here it's like this is all about me everybody's attacking me and then you get to the eight and it's like this is all everybody wants to give me free sticks but there's no um there's all of the sticks are like flying around and being swung at people and like stuff is going on where there's no there's nothing it's all about the main character and mm. nowhere is it about the other people there's a lot of self-centeredness going on in some of these wands oh yeah no i can and I, i'm thinking about the nine of wands mm-hmm. and then I, I think it's only well i guess uh, then the ten of wands is sort of the result of that is a single person trying to shoulder bear the load the yeah. yeah it's like leading towards like the nine of wands almost turn, turns it into kind of like a martyr card mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. interesting yeah yeah well, I think that another another aspect of the Seven of Wands is either, like, if it's not about defensiveness, mm-hmm. um, I have seen this card show up at times in moments where somebody is sort of engaged in a fight, like, in, in a battle for something. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that case, this card can show up, I think, to say, like, you've got the high ground. Like, yeah. stand your ground. Mm-hmm. You're in a good position. Don't 
don't doubt yourself, I guess. So almost a uh, have confidence card. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, fuck the haters. Which kind of could relate it to the Seven of Swords pretty well, mm. actually. Mm-hmm. Right? Because mm-hmm. you can kind of see telling the Seven of Swords person, you know, if that's a necessary thing that's happening, then they should also be sort of in a, a fuck the haters kind of mood. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Seven of Pentacles or Cups? Well, I, I know you're saving the cups for last because it's got the most exciting stuff going on. All right, let's okay. do pentacles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when I see the seven of pentacles in this deck, the Smith Wade deck, my eye is always drawn to the fact that that person leaning on the rake, beholding the bounty of their fruiting bush vine, <laughs> the person looks really kind of bummed about it. I think he looks tired. Yeah. Uh, I, my, uh, my first feeling with this card is always you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, maybe he is really disappointed. Maybe he's like, man, did I really accidentally grow panicles? Exactly. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. So in my, in, in spirit, um, in my tarot deck, my seven of pentacles is a, it's a big bush that looks quite like this uh-huh. and it has pumpkins growing on it. And then there's a sign partially buried in the leaves that says peas. <laughs> and I don't know if that's like a, like a tarot joke that's going to like go over people's heads or not, but that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. I guess, uh, this card I think is, um, is about hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of struggle leading up to it. I think as you go through the, the pentacles cards and here it's sort of like, this is what you get. Here's your bounty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think there's sort of, uh, you know, pentacles being the earth suit, they aren't always, it's hard to be excited about them all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like in the wands where you're just excited, you know, everything's on fire. And so it's exciting. Uh, <laughs> in the earth suit, sometimes there's, there's drudgery and there's trudging along and there's parts where you really just got to like farm your pentacles and hope that you get enough of them that you can someday have fancy house and a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A ten of pentacles yeah. for a moment, for a fleeting moment. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that this card, um, when I see this card, I always think, uh, yeah, kind of you reap what you sow, but also I think that this is a moment where we get to look at the fruits of our labors and then reflect on the hard work that we have put into them, like mm-hmm. the work and the labor that has yielded these fruits and then decide was it worth it yeah (laughs) do i do that again do i do it differently next Mm -hmm. time exactly yeah exactly so just because it's getting us pinnacles doesn't mean that it's something that we should continue doing i think we can like sometimes like this card doesn't show up to be like leave the bush behind just to reflect Mm -hmm. on um how you got there because it's a moment where you can make a change if you want to i think and you can grow something other than pentacles. Yeah, exactly. Like, I've seen this card show up when people are questioning, like, it actually shows up a good bit when people are questioning their careers or their uh, yeah. jobs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've seen that a lot. But I've also seen it show up when people have to keep working at a mm-hmm, career, where mm-hmm. it's sort of like, it's not time yet. Like, mm-hmm. you have to just trudge onward and get more pentacles so that you can do whatever's next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ten of swords, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Probably. Shall we do Seven of Cups? 
like one of the most exciting cards in the deck. There's so much happening in this card. I love it. I, to me, to me, I call this the Price is Right card. Oh, totally. Because you're sort of like, you know, it's behind this door, and you know, it's behind this door, and you know, behind mm-hmm. this door. But what about that mystery door up at the top? Like, what's happening in that seventh cup? <laughs> I, would would I, that be just, the one with the ghost? person it's not a it's a it's a veil over whatever the heck is actually in there it looks like a person wearing a sheet to me yeah but like what kind of person is it (laughs) i love your enthusiasm for this card i mean i'm always going for that card (laughs) but i mean there's there's so much stuff happening here you know you've got a pile of treasure you got a snake you got a dragon Mm -hmm. you got the vic you got the laurel leaves of victory Mm -hmm. you've got what is a that? person's head. Yeah, you got the head. Everybody wants one of those. <laughs> it's like a phrenology head. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, so you've got uh, you've got danger and you've got treasure and you've got all these different choices. But mm-hmm. I always thought that the that that last one was all glowing because just to emphasize that the that the character is fascinating by that one. Like it's mm. just sort of that's the one I want that. And, you know, the like the carnival barker's like, are you sure that's the one? You want the mystery <laughs> prize? <laughs> so then what is the message or moral of this card? I think the message or moral of this card is just because something is mysterious and unknown doesn't mean that it's the safe bet, mm. right? I think that this is a card that's sort of reminding you that, like, there are known knowns and there are known unknowns, but then there are also unknown unknowns. <laughs> and... It, and I don't know that this card is necessarily telling you which one's the right one to go mm-hmm. towards, mm-hmm. but it is saying like you need to have awareness of your options right. before, and and maybe sometimes you need to take a boring choice instead of the exciting and unknown choice. But also, if the boring choice is too boring, if this is like a risk-taking opportunity, then maybe you go see what's behind door number seven mm-hmm. or in cup number seven, <laughs> and then you should spay and neuter your pets. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I, I see the, um, I see this card as being kind of like, make a fucking decision already. Oh, like, so sort of like an urging, like an urging towards the decision. Well, I see it oh, right, as because... like, they're all on clouds, right? right? So I see it as like, um, it has this sort of like daydreamy feel to me or mm-hmm. like, you know, sort of getting, and the, the posture of the person in the front is like, whoa. You know, You're like what do I do now? Yeah, and they're like astounded, mm-hmm. and maybe even a little bit like enraptured or paralyzed by the choices and yeah. the possibilities. And they're going like, "Oh my god, do I want the treasure? Do I want the lady head? Do I want you know?" And the do and, I need another dragon? <laughs> I've got, already got five dragons. Do I need one more? I think I do. Um, and then we see in the cup with the laurel wreath in it. The cup has a skeleton face on it. Yes, we usually call that a skull. <laughs> I mean, on the West Coast. I am on fire today. <laughs> the, the, chow, the chower, the <laughs> skeleton face. <laughs> That's going to be the name of my metal band, just by the way. Skeleton face. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. <laughs> but I think that that skull... Is a um, an indication that not everything is what it seems to be, right? Yeah. So like that cup looks like it's a sweet laurel wreath of victory, but like, is it really, or what comes with it? God, can you even get a victory without causing some skeleton faces? 
Uh, and I think so in that way it's asking so I think that, that that's kind of a double-edged cup because <laughs> we're not we're not the thorns almost all these cups look like if you flipped them upside down they'd still be a cup that's, that's true they're literally yeah. like a double-sided yeah. cup yeah so it could be saying that some of the options are not what they seem so there could be a little warning there. But I, I like that idea that it's sort of like, you know, hurry up and choose already. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I think also don't get don't get too caught up in the what ifs because that's yeah. the sort of hidden hazard of the, the skeleton face is that it, is that we can go we can spend too much time going like, oh, that looks like a really good decision. Wait, but. Wait, but oh, mm-hmm. and then there's this other one that I could and but wait and you know you think what I about mean? like there's never any certainty. Yeah, your decision is never going to be certain. Yeah, like there, you'll never know what the outcome is going to be entirely. So you have to sometimes take risks. I mean, I still think you know there's no skeleton face on the <laughs> glowy ghost cup. Well, you got to choose it. Like if you want to know who's under the glowing sheet, then you, you have to choose, to choose the cup. cup. Yeah. You won't know Oof. until it's too late and they're eating off your skeleton face. In this, um, I guess my question is, how are these cards tied to the major arcana that they are, that, that we also discussed? Like, right. what's their thing? Right. So, in the case of the sevens, the way that I tie them all together in my head is through the fact that the chariot in this particular deck is i think calling for a certain amount of reflection of Mm -hmm. of intentional basically just like intentional awareness remember seven is the philosopher sage the number of the philosopher sage Mm -hmm. and it marries like the intellect and intuition and and so we're called to bring that sort of lens to Mm -hmm. each of the minor suits and go like okay is is it right that i'm creeping away with five swords like why am i sneaking around or is the best way to go about this by sort of thinking outside the box or it's by applying that sort of intentional awareness to choosing your fucking cup or you know what i mean yeah it's like this sort of intentionality in our in directing our own choices and paths Hmm. what do you think I think that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Do you think that they also tie to the tower, though? Uh, You know, I think that um, the tower is where... The tower is the limit of our self-directed choice. You know what? I could see, especially in the swords and cups cards, how the tower could be the cause of um, pause. Mm. Right? So, like, the thief here, mm-hmm. he gets caught, that's the end. That's going to be a real, real bad day for him. That, that's <laughs> going to be a tower moment that he's going to be literally losing for sure. the, his crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here, again, you have, you have all, like, a literal tower in one of the cups, but also mm. you don't know what your choice is going to bring in the cups card. The seven mm-hmm. of cups could be taking you down a real short road to <laughs> ultimate disaster. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that's sort of an interesting. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Well, and um, if if we think of the tower as also being a deconstructive process, um, I, I do think in the tower that sometimes we are somewhat 
involved in the deconstruction. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it can come as, like, an aha sort of awakening, like, lightning flash where we, like, suddenly realize something and then we can't unrealize it. And then we initiate <laughs> a process of, of oh, deconstruction. Yeah. And in that way, like, a card like the Seven of Pentacles can be as a, a, a tiny kind of deconstructive process around mm-hmm. like our labor and work and and whether or not we want to continue doing that the 7 of wands could be that in a like am i in the right what am i fighting like yeah is the fight real is the yeah 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 is the fight real or is the fight worth it mhm like a teeny tiny little deconstructive tower yeah hmm well, I like the sevens. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, I think that that's I think that that's it. I think that's good. What do you think, Eric? Anything else to say? I don't really have anything else to say about these. I think that uh, I'm going to be walking away with some tarot stuff to think about and ponder. Ah. Um, I think that it was it was super interesting to go this much into depth about this collection of cards. Uh, especially since we just like, you know, we didn't. We only talked about it for like five minutes before we started. So. Right. I know. Yeah. So this is this was this has been. There have been some surprises and some really new ways to look at things. I'm I'm Same super here. excited about pulling the tower the next time. <laughs> you'll have to. You'll like, have to text me. You have to let us know. It's not really about towers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Eric, so much for coming to do this with me and for lending your perspective. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me on. This is fascinating. I'm enjoying this project, and uh, I guess I'm just going to have to keep listening to it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Eric and I both have podcasts, obviously. You're listening to mine. Eric's is Arnamancy, the Arnamancy podcast. Eric and I also both have Patreons, and he and I are going to keep talking for a little bit longer about... Um, I don't know, maybe this topic or maybe something unrelated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we're going to post that snippet on both of our Patreons for our patrons to listen to. As a bonus. Yes, bonus as a bonus. Stuff. And so my Patreon is patreon.com slash the word witch tarot. And Eric's is... Patreon.com slash Arnamancy. Yay! <laughs> I'm sure there will be a link in the show notes. And Eric, where can people find you on social media? Uh, I'm Arnamancy everywhere. It turns out it's a word that I made up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Arnamancy.com is my website. You can find my blog and podcast there. Uh, I'm Arnamancy on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and are there other there's other social media I don't know if I'm there yet cool <laughs> I'm not Arnamancy on LinkedIn I don't know who Arnamancy on LinkedIn is <laughs> yeah don't fuck that guy <laughs> thank you Eric well, thank and you. that's it that's it that's all folks <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be like keep 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 witching your words <laughs> right stay magical stay magical <laughs> <laughs> bye bye <laughs> Hey, just a quick follow-up about what exactly that Patreon Extra is. Eric and I ended up talking for like 30 minutes about our favorite tarot cards, and it gets a little bit competitive. 
Uh, so join one of our Patreon uh, pages at patreon.com slash the word witch tarot or patreon.com slash arnamancy to get access for that to that 30 minute extra. And also remember, remember March 20th, support the Kickstarter for Fifth Spirit Tarot and get your copy of this incredible deck that I've been working on for so long. Okay. Thanks, guys. Uh, that's all. Bye. We're all just trying to shoot the moon. Isn't everything we've got that's just easy to spoon? Thanks for listening to The Word Witch. Our theme music is Counting Rice by Bitches in the Beehive. You can find The Word Witch on Instagram at the.word.witch or online at thewordwitchtarot.com. You can find the deck Fifth Spirit Tarot at fifthspirittarot.com. Support the podcast and get access to bonus episodes and more by becoming a patron for as little as $2 per month at patreon.com slash thewordwitchtarot. Or if you liked what you heard, give us five stars and tell your friends. As always, thanks for listening and stay magical.